This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? Be? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. Happy almost Thanksgiving. Maybe it's Thanksgiving when you're listening to this. Maybe you've already had a good Thanksgiving. No matter what, enjoy your Thanksgiving. We are not traveling this year. We are staying at home. It's a bummer. We don't get to see family. On the upside, we're reviving an old Kafka family tradition and making our own pizza. I highly recommend it. Everyone likes pizza. It's easy to make your own pizza. Everyone gets to make the pizza they want. It's collective. It's individual. It's, it's America. Yay, America. Okay, a couple words about this week's show. It's an interview with Gimlet's Lydia Polgreen. Uh, Lydia, as many of you know, was a formerly a longtime New York Times reporter and then formerly the editor-in-chief of HuffPost. As part of our Code Media at Home series, which I think was a roaring success. So thanks to everyone who showed up live for that. You are hearing our live conversation on tape. It'll sound a little different than our normal podcast, but it'll work. Lydia is wicked smart, so it's always good to talk to her. And in this case, we talked to her about Gimlet's podcasting strategy and Spotify's podcast strategy and some discussion about the state of the media in general. Since you're hearing this after our conversation, you'll note a couple things. Lydia was reticent to talk about Joe Rogan but I wanted her to ask about Joe Rogan anyway. She's not in the Joe Rogan business, but her employer is, so I wanted to hear her talk about that, even though it's slightly uncomfortable. You will also notice that we talked about the future of HuffPost, which I said was for sale, and Lydia didn't think was for sale. She was kind of right, but she was definitely wrong. As we found out that night, and as you heard that night in my podcast with Jonah Peretti, BuzzFeed bought HuffPost. Um, So the analysis about where it would go isn't kind of relevant, but it's still good to hear from her about her old employer. Okay, enough from me. Now let's hear from Lydia, and happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Lydia. Hey, Peter. How are you? It's great to see you. It's great to see you. It's better to see you in person, but this will do. Thank you for coming on. on. My pleasure. Um, Whenever I talk to you, at least since the spring, I always start off the conversation by saying, wait, what is it that you do again? What is your job? You're head of content. You're not running podcasts for Spotify. You're not running Gimlet, but you're running content for Gimlet, which is a big part of Spotify's podcasting push. So you want to just set the table for us real quick? Sure. Um, uh, I joined, uh, Spotify and Gimlet in April and really the, the, um, the ask was to figure out what the future should look like for Gimlet. Gimlet, of course, has created an iconic set of, um, shows, um, you know, has really kind of set the template for what, uh, podcasting and the podcast industry is going to look like in a lot of ways, um, has set a really high bar for quality in terms of what narrative storytelling is. I think has been a major innovator in terms of 
of fiction storytelling. So that's all great. But then once you get acquired by a big technology platform, how do you take all of the um, resources, the data, the um, the smarts that Spotify brings to the table and really scale up what, what, what Gimlet, you know, the kind of the, the seed of what Gimlet um, has created and uh, turn it into something bigger and um, even more ambitious. So I think, I think that's really, that's really the, the, the ask is to, is to try and, 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 and make more of, of the success that Gimlet already is. You are a lifelong news person, uh, many years for the New York times and then running a big news operation for HuffPost. Um, was your thought, I'm done with news. Or was your thought? I want to get in on this podcasting thing. I, I hear it's exciting. What was what? What, what brought you over? Well, I'll remind you uh, that uh, Gimlet produces a daily news podcast with the Wall Street Journal called The Journal. It's an incredibly insightful and popular podcast. So definitely not entirely out of the daily news business. But this is definitely the first time in 20 years that I have not been um, working at a news organization um, whose primary focus is putting out a daily product, which is a pretty big change. And and yes, that's that's pretty intentional. Um, you know, I think I, I left I left the New York Times um, after after uh, Donald Trump was elected president, in part because I felt like this was a good moment to think differently about media and think about the role that the media plays and um, and and ways to think uh, beyond just um, just just the sort of traditional of of um, legacy print uh, organizations. And that felt like a really great moment to try something that felt more kind of um, full throatedly tabloid and populist, um, which was which was I think a really great experience and a great experiment. And I think similar. Really, after after that experience, I've been thinking a lot about the role of, of journalism in persuading and changing people's minds and making people more informed. And um, you know, I was I was really intrigued with the idea of using um, longer forms of storytelling, deeper sto- forms of storytelling, more intimate forms of storytelling to inform people. And um, I think podcasting has emerged as one of the best platforms for telling complex, nuanced human stories. And um, I took a look at it and said, "That's a place where I want to be." And it's it's I think for me an evolution of how I think about my role as a communicator and a storyteller. What you really wanted to say was Peter Kafka was doing podcasting. That's like a good idea. I wanted to get in on that. Um, you you knew your way around digital uh, at the times. You were a digital person. You have HuffPost is obviously an all digital platform, uh, but those are still traditional publishing companies that are coming to digital. Spotify is a technology company. Um, it's a, definitely a publisher, but it often describes itself as a platform. The way most of these technology companies that don't want to be called publishers describe themselves. Um, what did you? What have and you've been on the job since April? It's COVID. You probably haven't met most people you work with, but you still have some sense of of the culture and how things operate. Does it feel very different working at sort of a tech company that also does content as opposed to your last two gigs? Um, you know, it's interesting. Spotify has a very distinct culture, um, and it's one that allows um, subcultures to flourish and really have an independent identity of their own. So, being part of the um, arm of Spotify that creates content, um, it really, it really doesn't feel that different from being um, at a at a at a traditional content creation company because we're allowed to be who we are and and work how we work. Except we get the benefit of having access to um, some of the most extraordinarily talented. Talented um, technologists in the world, and uh, the data, the um, 
machine learning, the algorithms, all the things that they create or put in service to helping us make better content and distribute that content. So, so um, I think because of the uniqueness of Spotify's culture, there's there's this there's this uh, best of both worlds environment where you get to really stay true to yourself as a um, as a content person. So publishers were traditionally sort of you know, well, they, they didn't deal with a lot of data for a long time. They had they had ad rates and they had subscriber numbers and that was kind of it. And over the last 10 years, wrenchingly, they've sort of come to grips with the idea that they really have to sort of dig into who their customers are, what, they, what they're consuming, what they might want to consume, how to reach them, how to market them. Do you have a sense that sort of Spotify's data set um, t- knows more about me than the New York Times data set does or the HuffPost data set does? I mean, I think I think that 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 our knowledge. I mean, first of all, I should say I'm not a technologist and I don't work on the technology side of um, of Spotify. Um, I think that the great the great promise is that um, just as uh, Spotify helped people discover the best um, music for them, and um, not it didn't just know what you liked; it was able to predict what you might like. Um, I think that there's a lot of really fascinating work going on around the company uh, that that's trying to solve this problem for a spoken word audience. Too. So um, we'll be able to bring you uh, great new programming that you might not even be aware exists. But uh, because of because we understand your listening habits, we can bring you something that feels really re- relevant and true to you in the same way that we do with music. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's going to be really interesting that Spotify might be surfacing stuff to me that I didn't know exists. Um, you, you, There's a, a, a podcast project you're very passionate about called Resist. Um, but the only reason I knew it existed is because I follow you on Twitter. Um, Spotify didn't tell me about it. Um, a reader, uh, Steve Cavendish, I think, had a similar question. How are you guys thinking about innovating on distribution and how long before Spotify can sort of bring that data in the service of finding me something that I didn't know existed or telling me that if I like this, I might like that beyond the sort of very crude, here's a tech podcast stuff that both Apple and Spotify do right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that we're already doing a significant amount of it. Um, you know, we have uh, great colleagues who are in charge of editorial programming. We have a bunch of surfaces on which we can um, show relevant podcasts to people who um, who are on our app. I mean, Spotify has 300 million users, over 300 million users around the world. So we have the opportunity to show that podcast to people. But I think so I think some of that is happening already, but it's going to get finer and finer grained. And I don't know about your listening habits. Uh, uh, Peter, so it could be that uh, resistance wasn't surfaced to you, but um, you know it'd be interesting to see what's in your recommended podcasts right now. It's a lot of comedy that. nerd stuff, uh, probably. And I mean, I didn't stuff. want to embarrass you, but I assumed that it was uh, it was it was it was stuff that that was much less uh, much less elevated than than a fine show like Resistance. I'm not embarrassed about my my lack of elevation, but um, I mean, and part of it is not knowing. Like one of the reasons that Spotify Discover is so interesting, right, is that it picks stuff that I would never never go find and often it gets it wrong it keeps trying to show me keeps trying to get me to listen to primus if if you remember the mid 90s it's terrible stoner bass driven music i don't want it and it keeps shoving it to me so it's not a genius at it um but i am waiting for sort of the the stuff to come out of left field on, on the podcast front on the other hand when i when spotify says listen to this song i can listen to it i can listen to the entire thing and it's 3 minutes or 15 seconds and i can bail out of it podcasts, you generally have to kind of sit in for a while, especially, you know, half hour, 40 minutes. How are you thinking about sort of getting people to sample a podcast? 
It's a, it's a great question. And, it, and there's a bunch of innovation that's been happening at Spotify. And, and I think we think about um, the existing podcast audience. And if you look at the at the the most recent recent Edison research, the um, portion, the share of ear has tripled since 2014. But it's got for podcasting, but it's gone from 2% to 6%, right? Um, so that's still a pretty small share of ear, even though I it's mean, tripled. share of ear, uh, that's a new one. But I mean, I've, I've also seen Edison stats that say, you know, the crazy numbers, like half the country has listened to a podcast, which frankly does not seem possible. Right. Um, so let's imagine it's somewhere between very small and decent, but will grow more. But but um, if I either have never heard of resist and you want me to try to sample it or I'm don't listen to podcasts at all. I'm just an audio. I just listen to music on Spotify. How do you yeah. get me to commit some time? You know, when, um, five years ago when Facebook video was a thing, you would just shove Facebook video in front of people's face. And there were people trying to figure out how to get you to pay attention in three seconds. You can kind of do that visually. I don't know how you do it with an audio format. Yeah, totally. And I think this is something that we've been thinking about a lot at Gimlet. Um, and we've been involved in some of the most um, important innovations in this regard. I, I see the really big opportunity is 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 less like, let's do lots more podcasts and get lots of, eventually we'll get lots of people listening to 30, 45 minute podcasts or, you know, binging an, you know, an eight episode season of, of a great documentary. But I think the, the, the first hurdle that we need to get over is, you know, I, I talked about that 300 million people who are on Spotify, um, the the you know it's 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 fewer than half of them. I don't have the numbers at hand. Who who listen to podcasts and the number who listen to more than thirty minutes of podcasts um, a, a week is is even smaller, right? So so our real goal is to get people in the habit of listening to content on Spotify that's not music. Um, and there are lots of different ways to do that. And one of them is a product called Your Daily Drive, which you may have experienced. Um, it's 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 a mix of uh, short form um, uh, uh, spoken content. It could be news reports. It could be um, shorter versions of Gimlet shows. So for example, our shows uh, Science Versus and Every Little Thing both have versions that will go into Your Daily Drive or our, our news podcast, The Journal. Um, and that's personalized music um, mixed in with, um, with, with, with produced audio segments kind of sounds um, like radio right it's it's a little like radio but and with I mean, personalized right so you're picking me music that you think i'll like and then are you picking the is the news content also based on something so you know all, about the me? whole thing the whole thing is personalized and some you know they're 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 so 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 you're getting you're getting podcast you're getting audio content uh spoken word audio content that we think that you're going to like and you're getting music that we think you're going to like and then you you go that you go even further and um you know last month we launched we launched a new show called the get up which is a morning show that we are producing every day every monday through friday that is a mix of kind of morning zoo news and talk that um, that uh, is interspersed with uh, with curated personalized music. So it's music that we think you would like in your morning routine. So it's not just all of your music. It's it's things that we think are appropriate to that state of mind. But so it's it's using that special sauce that Spotify has in music and interspersing it with talk. And you know we we brought in three um, amazing hosts that are really fun and warm and chatty. And you know it's it's your it's your your typical sort of morning zoo show. Except the music that you're getting is music that um, that you want to hear and that's that's uh, especially uh, there for you. I want to ask you more about personalization in a minute, but this, the product you're talking about is what we used to call a drive time show, right? Yeah. Um, there's been a, not much drive time during the pandemic. And at the beginning of the pandemic, audio uh, pro, audio consumption went down, um, even as video skyrocketed. And then what we kept hearing was that audio was climbing back. 
Yeah. Um, what's your sense of, of listing trends late fall 2020 compared to when you started? I think people have figured out how to reincorporate audio into their lives and into their routines, which has been really exciting to see. So, you know, um, the getup where we were initially imagining people would be listening to on their commutes um, in the car or on the train. Um, and what we're finding is, um, first of all, um, you know, over ha almost half a million people are listening to the show every month, which is uh, really impressive for a brand new show. And um Second, uh, we're seeing that people are streaming it from their desktop. They're, um, you know, they're, they're listening in numbers that we, and, and in ways that we had not anticipated, but they're finding value in the show, even though they're not, um, it's, you know, there's, there's no such thing as drive time for many people now. So it's been really exciting to see that, that people are still making time for audio. And I think, I think when you think about podcasts as a kind of lean forward, uh, captivating all your attention kind of experience, um, there's there's very limited windows of time where one might have that on, but um, when you start thinking about more lean back experiences, I think that the the amount of um, of time that people have for consuming that kind of content while they're doing other things um, is is really huge. Um, I don't know I don't know what your experience during pandemic has been, but um, one of the hobbies that I've taken up over this time is uh, is doing puzzles. And um, what I found is the perfect thing to do while doing puzzles is listen listen to uh, to, to to audio shows and and podcasts. So um, so I think I think we're finding that, that that people are developing new habits and incorporating listening into their lives in different ways now. Do you, do you think? I mean, is listening back to where it was uh, pre pandemic for Spotify? Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. Um, we uh, for for Gimlet, I don't want to speak to all of Spotify, but certainly for Gimlet, we we we've definitely seen a full recovery. So th this idea of sort of the, the the podcast being this immersive thing that you've got to give all your attention to—that's the way I normally think about it. Like, unfortunately, that's why I've stopped reading in a lot of cases, is because my commute time is now uh, used to be on the train listening to podcasts, and I can't read and listen to a podcast. And also because the stuff generally sort of requires you to engage in it. It's either you know, the traditional formats in podcasting right now are some kind of talk show, some version of what we're doing now. Uh, it's what my Recode Media show is. Um, or it's, you know, it's narrative podcast, you know, popularized by Serial. Uh, Startup, the, the co-founders of Gimlet made a Serial podcast about the, the creation of their podcast, true crime podcasts. Um, and that's kind of it. There hasn't been a lot of experimentation um, so what, what else do you think you might be experimenting with trying out over the next year or so? Well, I think, I think, um, in introducing people to podcasting through short form, I think is going to be a really big part of it. And, um, and I think, um, mixed media is going to be a really big part of it, right? Um, it's the, it's the playlists that are interspersed with talk segments, I think are going to introduce a whole new, um, cohort of people to the idea of, of, of podcast, of, of streaming audio in this way. Um, and then I also think that that vodcasting is going to be important. Um, you know, we are doing some um, narrow experimentation with vodcasting. Um, Explain what a vodcast is. Pardon? That's a VOD cast. Yeah, it's it's yes, it's a it's a it's a podcast with video basically. Um, so what does that mean? So, that I'm that like this, where someone would watch a version of this, or the yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's, this is a thing that's popular on YouTube, as you're probably aware. Um, and, um, and so uh, bringing some of that capability on a on a, you know, kind of test and learn basis to, to Spotify is, is something that's currently happening as well. Um, what do you what, what are you most excited to try out? Or what would you like to see that doesn't exist right now? 
That's a great question. I mean, I'm really excited to take the GetUp format and stamp it out in lots of different ways. Um, I could see uh, doing um, uh, shows that combine music and talk in ways that feel really, really exciting. Right now, we're doing a, a version of it that's for the morning. I'd love to do a, a slightly racier version that is more kind of comedy based that would be an afternoon drive time uh, version of the show. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, like the full flowering of um, of documentary storytelling in um, in 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 audio form. Um, I think we we've yet to see a show that's become the sort of 60 minutes for audio, um, you know, investigative, but but coming out on a regular cadence, something that's weekly, that's really kind of appointment listening, um, and gets into deep journalistic storytelling. Um, I'm really interested in a daily. Uh, fiction podcast. I think there's a lot of space for a kind of, you know, soap opera style, um, short form, uh, fictional podcast that, um, that, uh, is, uh, you know, set in an interesting place. Um, and, and people so, are experimenting you know, a little bit with those too, I think outside of yeah. your company. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of experimentation going on across the industry. Um, I've been, you know, I've been spending a lot of time on fiction just because I feel like it's, it's a, it's a place where there's a ton of room for innovation. And, um, and, you know, we've had, we've had quite a bit of success with fiction at Gimlet and, uh, we want to, we want to build on that. We're taking a quick break from our chat with Lydia. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, but it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. And we're back. So back when Gimlet was a standalone company, I talked to the founders. A big part of their push was we were good at making podcasts. And the next thing we're going to do is start is start turning these podcasts into TV shows and movies. And they were able to do that with with varying degrees of success. Uh, another big podcast studio, Wondery, that's their entire pitch, at least to investors, is we make these great things that can then become TV shows and movies. We have, we're in the IP business. Um, how much of your time are you spending thinking about how Project X will turn into a TV show or a streaming series. I think it's really exciting when when a you know a piece of IP that we develop um, becomes uh, something else. Um, but remember, Spotify is a um, a digital subscription company, right? I mean, we're an audio company that um, that uh, that that is in the race to to for for your ear. So um, so I think the IP piece of the business is is important and exciting. But it but sounds it, like it's, it's diminished a bit in terms of the the business plan or the focus because that was a big push prior to being bought by Spotify. Well, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's a big 
deal on on both ends. I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is, um, you know, the high profile talent that is coming into podcasting and developing types of IP there with us, which then we can go back to film and TV. So, you know, there's there's a range of really interesting, um, you know, creators, whether it's, you know, the Duplass brothers or, um, you know, DC Comics and others that are working closely with Spotify and of course the Obamas uh, with their their higher ground um, imprint that are um, developing IP with us in the in the in the audio platform. I mean, we love when our shows get get optioned. And I mean, I think we've got, I would say, a dozen projects that are either in development or 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 currently, um, you know, currently have under option or, or, or whatever you want to call it. And um, and that's and that's incredibly exciting. And um, and we, we love to be in that business. Um, I wouldn't call it a primary driver. I think it's I think it's a it's it's, it's so a nice if you're green lighting a show that isn't determinative, like could, could this be another thing besides a podcast? Um, I think the most important thing for us at Gimlet is that something be an amazing podcast. Um, and, um, you know, things that, that are amazing podcasts tend to tend to find life in other in other forms, too. Uh, there's a very specific uh, question here about the reply. All hosts no longer read ads on their shows because post Spotify acquisition, they can't veto advertisers. I can't fact check this live. Um, doesn't this make the ads less relevant? Asks Eric. Um uh, this is a little outside of my area of expertise, um, but um, as far as I as far as I understand it, um, the uh, the ads are not host read on 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 many of our shows. We have advertising standards at Spotify that certain kinds of advertisers are acceptable, and um, as long as someone meets those standards and they're and they're pretty stringent, um, then we'll 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 place those ads on our shows. Um, so so that's 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 the way it works. Um, so while we're asking uncomfortable questions that are outside your area of expertise, but still relevant to Spotify, um, you're not in the Joe Rogan business. That's a different part of Spotify podcasting. He's not formally a, a Spotify employee, I guess. He's licensing his show. Um, but as everyone listening to this knows, um, many listeners and, 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 and several Spotify employees have said they're uncomfortable with Spotify hosting Joe Rogan. So as a Spotify employee, I'm curious what you think about sort of sharing space with Joe Rogan and whether you're comfortable with him being on Spotify. Um, I, I think my personal, uh, personal opinion isn't super relevant, but what I would say is, you know, look, Joe Rogan is a, um, an important voice in our culture. Um, he's a person who, um, draws a huge audience. Um, he's a really interesting interviewer. Um, he makes some, he makes some, some, some definitely some controversial choices on, on who to interview. Um, Spotify has really robust content policies that are, uh, you know, that are, that are, that are placed on all, all content that is produced. And, and, and exists on our platform. And um, I trust my colleagues to make those decisions. That's, that's what they're there to do. What's your sense of how Spotify is sort of getting its, its spot? It's started by Daniel Eck, who's a technologist. Um, like a lot of people in technology, I think he's hasn't been super comfortable saying, I like this, I don't like that, I want people to hear this, I don't want their, them to hear that. He falls back on this platform argument. Again, you are very much a publisher studio model, like you, nothing gets through on Gimlet by accident. Um, but Spotify has a mix of this stuff. How do you feel like the company is sort of dealing with that mix of models and mix of editorial control or lack of control? I mean, I, 
again, I mean, this is this is sort of outside of my of my realm of expertise. But what I will say is, um, you know, unlike many technology platforms, um, Spotify really has leaned forward to um, to own the production of content and um, to give an extraordinary amount of independence to the studios that are creating that content. So, you know, um, if you talk to me or you talk to Bill Simmons over at The Ringer or Max Cutler at Parcast, um, you know, we're given really, really wide latitude to to um, to set our own agenda and 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 publish the kind of um, podcasts and, and content that that we're excited about. Um, so I, I would say that that as far as technology companies go, um, Spotify has shown a tremendous amount of confidence in um, allowing its uh, its 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 homegrown studios to 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 really to really be free to to express their own voices. Should we spend like thirty more minutes on Joe Rogan, or is that? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, we'll see if anyone else has questions. But the I think Kanye, it's the Kanye interview was really, uh, really interesting. Did he just have a Kanye interview? I didn't. He I, did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Kanye should be doing interviews. I don't think people should be interviewing Kanye right now. I think they should yeah. give him some yeah. alone time. Um, I think his his wife might agree with you on that. I that's the first time uh, Kim and I agree. I think perhaps. <laughs> um, let me ask you about a couple of your old gigs. Um, Huffington Post, Huff Post is owned by Verizon. You and I have talked in the past about why that might have been a good home for HuffPost, at least when you were an employee there. Now uh, Verizon is trying to sell it. What's a good home for a big, large, for a large scale digital publisher in 2020? Um, I mean, I'm assuming you still have affection for the for that product and people who work there. Where would you like to see them end up? I mean, I think I think that um, HuffPost is an iconic media brand. Um, it, you know, continues to draw a massive audience. Um, and I think any, any, um, digital media or, uh, any digital media, um, anybody with aspirations in digital media would be lucky to own that brand. Um, I think it requires a, a, a strong stomach and a desire to make significant investments in alternative forms of monetization to really, um, lean into premium advertising. I think one of the, one of the real struggles that we had at HuffPost being part of Verizon Media is that um, Verizon Media was 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 essentially Yahoo and um, it's it was a publishing company that that you know had lots of lots of great journalism but really made up in volume and and was all about the kind of volume play and selling audiences and if you are going to be a publisher of quality um, as 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 Vox is you need to be really committed to um, you know, much greater diversification in terms of where you're getting your revenue from. So if you're relying on low CPM, you know, uh, audience buys, it's just, you're just never, you're going to really struggle to be able to do any kind of quality journalism. And, you know, over the time that I was at HuffPost, uh, we saw the branded content business just, just tank, uh, the bottom really fell out of it. Um, and what was, what was, there, hap- what was happening there? Was it competition or was the appetite for that stuff going away? Cause for a while that was everyone's answer, Vox Media as well. We're in the branded content business. And it seems like there's a lot less talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's become like less part of the growth scenario and more, um, you know, one sort of piece of the puzzle. Right. Um, and, 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 Look, let's be honest. This is a very low margin business. It's, it's a place where every little bit helps, right? You need your, your, um, you know, you need the programmatic advertising that, and then layered on top of that, you need the creamy layer of, 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 um, of brand advertising. And then on top of that, you need a membership program or some sort of, you know, something you can sell to a consumer. 
you know, it, it, it's, it's, you, you need to be able to put together a whole bunch of things in order to make, 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 make a whole picture. I mean, that's, that's how hard this is. Um, I mean, look, there's a lot of talk about, about, you know, a, a, a SPAC that's going to, you know, gobble up all these digital media companies, Buzzfeed, and, uh, perhaps, perhaps your employer as well. Um, it's, but, but it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a time where, you know, everybody's talking about consolidation and this is a really, really tough business. I mean, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to make it, but I would never, um, count HuffPost out. It's a very, very strong brand and, um, it has a deeply loyal audience of people who really love it. And, um, so, so I'm, I, I, I think, um, the ideal scenario would be that somebody will buy it and make something great out of it. Or, or perhaps Verizon will decide, hey, this is a, this, you know, this, this is a gem. Um, and, and, and to be fair, um, as far as I know, that, that, that sale business is just a rumor. I think it's real. Uh, <laughs> this is the first time in, in 2020 with SPAC has come up on one of my podcasts. So congrats. You, you broke the barrier. Wow. Uh, you, you've avoided SPAC talk. On I, a media I told podcast? my editor recently that I think we should do a SPAC <laughs> explainer. And my editor, who's very smart, said, I've never heard of a SPAC. So I right. think it's a very focused uh, segment of our audience that knows yes. what that is. Um, the first time you and I sat down formally and had a recorded conversation was post 2016 you were taking over HuffPost and this was part of that period in in news media where everyone was figuring trying to figure out how did we miss Trump in 2016 what what do we miss about Trump and more importantly what do we miss about America that that elected Trump um 4 years later you're out of the daily news business you're now just a news consumer um do you think the news media did a good job explaining who Trump and Trump voters are this time around, because it seemed like pull, leaving the polls aside, um, many of us were still sort of surprised to see how strong Trump's appeal was in 2020. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I read an awful lot about the appeal of Trump and Trump supporters. I mean, I think, I think, again, we had a situation where, where, where the polls led us to believe that there was, um, you know, there was a greater repudiation of Trump and Trumpism than, than, than actually ended up happening. But, um, but, you know, I feel like I read a ton of journalism about Trump supporters, diehards Trump supporters. And, and it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of that, like, led me to be skeptical of the polls even early on, because there were stories, you know, whether they're in the New York Times or in HuffPost and, you know, from rural Ohio and from these places or, or even, um, you know, talking to ex-urban voters. And so I, I actually feel like the, the, the media, if you set aside the, the very kind of poll focused media, did a pretty good job of, of, of making clear just how close this race was going to be. So I think, I think that lesson was very much learned. I'm going to turn this over to, to the audience in a minute to ask a few more questions or I'll ask questions on their behalf. Um, but this is a media conversation. I am legally required to ask you about Substack and the <laughs> newsletter model. Uh, two of my high profile Vox media colleagues have recently gone over to Substack. Um, it's, it's very much, if you haven't heard of SPAC, you, you probably have heard of Substack and that, that model. What do you, what do you think about that idea of getting someone of a flood of people? moving into a one person newsletter business. Um, I, well, there was a great, um, a great, uh, story about this in, uh, the Columbia Journalism Review, which I would urge everyone watching or listening to, um, to check out, um, that, that, that probed some of the big questions that Substack raises. Um, I mean, I, I, 
I think everyone looks at, you know, uh, Ben Thompson and Stratechery and they're like, oh, I could do that. Um, but I think that there's a kind of first mover advantage for the people who um, got in on the paid newsletter trend, the individual paid newsletter trend very early. Um, and it's kind of like the, the people who got really big on Twitter really early, you know, the people who have like a million followers and you're like, who's that chump? Um, and and often the answer is they were just one of the first people. Um, YouTube there. was similar. If you were on YouTube early, you were a YouTube star. And podcasting is similar, right? Like that, that there are certain people who just, you know, hit at the right time and, and accumulated a big audience. I mean, look, I, I think that um, anything that creates the possibility for um, journalists and storytellers to make a living off their work, I'm in favor of. Um, I think that um, just looking at my own, my own personal habits, um, I have signed up to a bunch of Substack newsletters because they are written by journalists that intrigue me or that I want to support. Um, and I, you know, am looking at my bank statement and thinking, is it 10? Is 10 the number of Substacks that I can subscribe to? And I'm a really heavy news consumer. Um, so I, I think, I think it's a, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how, how many people can actually make a go of it. Um, the other thing is, you know, I mean, in, in a pandemic, we're all looking at our like work-life balance and, you know, what kind of support structures do we have? Um, for some people, this experience maybe made them think, oh, I don't need anybody else. But I think for a lot of us, um, we feel like, oh, can't wait to get back to the office. And, you know, that annoying guy who picks his teeth in meetings. Um, Not that you know. guy, but other people. <laughs> Um, it's great to collaborate. I'm a big fan of it. It turns out. I didn't yeah, know I, I mean, was, look, but yeah, I, I, I have been, uh, you know, I have been, um, I have not set foot in, um, in the office, uh, that I work in with my colleagues at, at Gimlet and Spotify. So, um, it's, uh, you know, I'm very much looking forward to getting back to the office. Um, some audience questions. So there's a couple questions about Spotify versus Apple and Spotify exclusivity. Um, Spotify has played around with making some podcasts exclusive even before they bought Gimlet. There were some exclusives on Spotify. Um, you know, I when, when I went out to check check out Resist because I knew you were it was a, something you were interested in. I was curious whether it was on Apple Podcasts. It is. Um, how do you guys think through it, Gimlet, and what's the larger thinking at Spotify about what stuff is exclusive to Spotify and what stuff is largely distributed everywhere? doing a lot of experimentation and and you know we are um you know we want to be where 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 listeners are and our core conviction at Spotify is that um you know that 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 we will be the 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 audio platform and that we will be the place um that is most convenient um and most enjoyable to 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 consume audio content um and so um i i i embrace um exclusivity as a way to get us to the to the to the place that we we want to be but there's no question that we're in a moment where where you know there there's still there's still a lot there's still a lot of audience at lots of different different places. So I think we're experimenting with a lot of different models. I mean, for example, Resistance is um, is exclusive on on Spotify's pr uh, platform for the first um, couple of days, and and then it goes out to a wide audience. So um, so you know we 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 we're trying a lot of different things. Um, you know, some shows will uh, if they're a um, if, if it's a, a thing that we think people might want to binge, we might um, do a kind of episode by episode release on other platforms, but available to binge on uh, on Spotify. Um, so I think we're playing around with lots of different types of um, types of exclusivity. I mean, uh, the, it's it's not the exact same model, but Luminary, which was is still extant. Uh, it's a paid subscription uh, podcast platform, also pitching exclusivity. 
Uh, I've talked to a bunch of creators there who say, you know, I'm glad we were able to cash their check, but we don't want to make podcasts that aren't available to a, to a, to our audience. It doesn't matter if people can't hear what we make. There's no point in doing it. I mean, do you get pushback from people at Gimlet who say, "I want this to be widely distributed. I don't want this to be an exclusive." I mean, I think the important thing to remember about Spotify is that um, it it it's a free service. Um, you know, there is a premium tier, but it is a free service, and all of our podcasts are available on that free tier. Um, and it has an existing audience of of over 300 million users. Um, so, um, you know, it's a place where people are listening. So it's hard to see how that would. Be be a disadvantage. Fair enough. Um, Beckett wants to know about teenage listeners at Gimlet. Um, his thesis is they seem to be a huge portion of music listeners, but a tiny fraction of the podcast market. Are you guys thinking about the youngins? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually just wrapped up a three season run of um, our show, The Two Princes, which is uh, really kind of aimed at tweens and teenagers. And it is a fictional show about two princes who fall in love. Um, the last season was a musical and it was absolutely delightful. Um, you should definitely check it out um, and Google some of the uh, um, the fan fiction that has emerged around it is pretty fun. Lots of cosplay. Um, so, so, so we've, we've definitely have some success in that area. Um, I talked about daily and sort of soap opera. That's an audience that I think, I mean, you can't help look at the, the, um, you know, the rise of YA as a category. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very inspired by it. And of course we work for Don Ostroff, who was instrumental in making the CW a destination for teens. So, um, you know, this is a very big priority for her as well. Um, so it's a so, big, it's a big priority is, is getting stuff yeah, yeah, into absolutely. teens and tweens. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think, again, these like mixed media um, products, you know, where you're combining music and talk, um, I think are are places where I think there's there's significant opportunity. And, you know, um, colleagues at Parcast, um, for example, have done some experimentation shows around influencers like Addison Rae. Um, you know, we're, we're experimenting with lots of different things. Um, Sean wants to know what the next big advancement in podcasting ad tech would be that would raise advertiser rates, bring more brand and maybe bring more brand money in this space. I'm not sure if the two things are uh, oppositional, but but what do you want from the ad side? What on the tech side? To, what would you like to see? Uh, this is really, really outside of my area of expertise, I'm afraid. So Fair enough. I'm not going to have to ask somebody else. That's a 100% reasonable response <laughs> instead of making something up. Does anyone else from the audience have questions? Because I got a couple more for Lydia and then we're going to let her go because she's got a job to do. Okay. Um, one, uh, I did see your name floated, and I think you had an LOL on Twitter once once it came out. But I do want to ask you for the record. Um, CNN may have an opening running CNN. Uh, uh, Jeff Zucker is going to probably <laughs> leave. Do you wanna, would you get back into the daily news business if you could run a giant uh, TV network? Uh, I, I, I think that 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 article was wildly speculative, and um, you know, and 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 hugely flattering to me. I mean, uh, CNN is a is a is a massive business, and while I like to think of myself as a pretty accomplished person, um, you know, I don't I don't I don't know that running an organization on that of that size, and particularly the business side of an organization of that size, is is on the cards for me. Um, you know, you never say never. I'm really excited to be doing what I'm. I like now. that you left a little opening. It's great. 
I don't think I don't think you should apply for a job on a live podcast when you're six months into your current job, which you're liking. Well, I just want to be clear. I left a, 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 an opening to the idea of going back to daily news at some point in what I hope will be a long career. I'm very excited to be working at Spotify and 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 hope to be there for a very long time. And last, any any tips for anyone else who is starting a job mid pandemic and won't meet their coworkers for months to come? So. One thing that I did, and I wish I'd started doing it earlier, um, was um, doing um, outdoor office hours in the park. Um, and this isn't going to work for everybody. And of course, now we're we're, we're going into the uh, going into the winter months, so that makes it difficult. Um, but um, I tried to uh, to have one on ones with uh, with 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 lot as many folks as I could who are based in New York. Um, and, did you make them come uh, to Brooklyn? Did you go to the city? No, we every most of our folks live in Brooklyn because our office is in Brooklyn. But yeah, it was um it was basically all Brooklyn based folks, and we got together in our um uh in 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 a park near my apartment, and uh and you know kind of chewed the fat. Um, that I felt like was was a really good good use of time, and uh you know time together in real life with people feels so incredibly precious, even if you have to sit on a park bench and wear masks. Um, it means so much. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my one tip. I mean, I, I can't claim that I have any real secrets here. Um, you know, I think now that the days are getting dark, uh, earlier, it's gotten even harder to work from home and have boundaries between, I know. but, um, yeah, bundling up and, and, and waddling out in in three layers to a park bench in January is going to be harder to pull off. It's a hard, it's a hard sell. And, you know, I mean, I definitely some excitement in my household about these uh, uh, very promising sounding vaccines. Um, I'd, I'd really like to get back to the office and the theater and all of the wonderful things that, uh, that, 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 uh, that we used to do. Hooray for science. Hooray for going outside. Hooray for Lydia Polgreen for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. It's always a pleasure. Thanks again to Lydia Polgreen for coming on. Thanks again to our sponsors who let us bring Lydia Polgreen to you for free. Thanks again to Jelani and Joel who edited and produced this show. And thanks most of all to you guys for listening. I love making this show. I love that you like it. Some of you even like it a lot. It's all great. Uh, Love hearing from you. Look forward to making many more. Happy Thanksgiving.